So we are live. Kia ora and welcome to our 3 p.m. session. Uh, and this is the final session of today. Turai, and you can help me with my pronunciations, please, Haley. Uh, T-U-R-E-I, so that I think I'm about right with Turai. And um, 3 p.m. would be Rua. Toru. Toru. Hang on. I think you're right. Yes. Uh, I was trying to be clever because I haven't done that before in the end. <laughs> myself out so um you know, welcome welcome to Korero Live for Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us to share your story with the aim of uh, exciting people about the prospect of getting involved with Te Reo Māori and learning it and through hearing your story so shall we start with uh, hearing your story with your introduction of yourself uh, tēnā koe hoa, uh, tēnā katoa um uh, ki te taho tōku māma ngō Ngāti Maniapoto, ki te taho tōku um, pāpa nō Teaitanga Hauiti me Ngāti Bāhauera Hau. Um, I te puaku au ki Tikwiti, uh, ki, te, ki wainga nui i uh, Oku Whānau, te Whānau Te Kanoa. Um, I te puaku au ki, ki reira. Um, ko Waiaria tōku tama, taku tamahine, um, ko Hayley Aho. So, uh, kia ora tātou. Um, my name is Hayley. Um, uh, on my mum's side, I'm from Ngāti Maniapoto, so I grew up in Tikwiti. Um, and a big whānau. Uh, my mum is one of 12, so um, lots of cousins, lots of personalities, um, and I think it's probably one of the reasons why I've landed in a diversity and inclusion role. Um, and my dad is from Uawa, or Ngāti Aitanga Hauiti, so Tolaga Bay. Um, and he was whangaid actually by his um, his grandparents and raised um, with their whānau down in uh, a place called Raupunga, uh, sort of um, south of Wairoa, uh, Ngāti Pāhauera. And um, yeah, it's always interesting because dad, um, really, you know, beautiful, big, um, loving whānau as well. Um, and then he sort of had this, um, this whāngai, which is always interesting because we tend to get confused. Um, but anyway, it's, it's the um, richness and tapestry of life. Um, I've got one baby, um, her name is Waiaria, so she's 23. Um, she's what? just, <laughs> yeah, 23. I was, um, <laughs> my baby's 23. And so she... Um, has just recently come back to India because she was playing basketball in the States on a basketball scholarship for a couple of years. Oh, um, wow. Obviously, she got her height from her mother, I would love to say, but she definitely <laughs> didn't. Um, and so I, yeah, grew up in a big whanau um, and my te reo journey, um, I, I went to a Māori boarding school called St. Joseph's, or Hatuopa and lots of people know it. And so we um, learnt te reo with one of my favourite teachers um, sort of standing above us. It was very um, traditional for the time. Literally, um, we lead, read line by line and um, people will recognise Tamahai and Hata and Mere who go to Fakari Island or they go, they went to discos. Um, so it was largely book-based book, book based learning for me and my te reo. Um, my grandparents used to speak, we're, we're both fluent speakers and the only time that I knew something was like a raru raru or, you know, a bit of an issue was when they would speak te reo. And actually, I was reflecting on sort of preparing for today. And I remember my cousins used to say, um, we would hear my grandparents speaking in te reo. And sometimes we would say, oh, you know, that's because your mum and dad are arguing. <laughs> that's that's why you're staying here. <laughs> so we used to be like, oh, you know, something's really serious if my grandparents used it all. Um, and then as I've got older, um, yeah, I mean, Tereo's always been a big part of my dad as a fluent speaker, but again, he didn't speak for us. My mum, you know, she's about 60, 65, 66. Hopefully she's not watching because she'll murder me for revealing her age. But um, she very much grew up a time when, you know, Tereo, they... Um, my actually my great great grandmother gifted the land that um, the school is on just down the road from my grandparents and it's now a um, farikura but my mum went through um, school at a time when yeah she you know te reo was discouraged um, so it's very real because this is only one generation back um, and so you know she's of that generation um, that doesn't have te reo so anyway the short I, I've been um, more recently through my mahi at Fonterra, we started te classes 
through Te Wānango Aotearoa. And actually for me, even though I'd had that base my whole life, I have really enjoyed relearning to get some of the real core baseline structure and stuff right. And um, I'm continuing the journey. So I think I'm three years in, three years on now and are doing Te Ronakitanga through Te Wānango Aotearoa. So I do Te Reo. I think it's about intermediate level. Some days it feels very much at the start. The interesting thing for me, Ryan, is um, even like physically moving my mouth. So like we just had Te Reo class last night and I honestly spend the first hour of my classes, first of all, just trying to, you know, transition from my day job to Te Reo. Um, and then it's so frustrating because I, I physically have to, you know, condition my mouth to move around the wor words. Um, and once I get going and all the rest of it, and even, you know, once I come to, but but I guess it's just, you know, these this journey is very real for us in terms of, um, for all of us, sorry, in terms of our comfortability levels. Um, yeah, I mean, and I guess I'm at a stage where one of the things I really love about this Te journey that I'm on is probably for the first time, and I think it's probably age as well, you know, you sort of get to a 40 and a whole lot of things. Um, change and it's beautiful but the depth of real is, is one thing that I um, <clears throat> absolutely love and I think that's for a number of reasons you know age and experience aka getting old. <laughs> well that's a, a really interesting point <clears throat> or a couple of really interesting points all are interesting points hang on <laughs> for, my, for my mouth like usual um, but let's start with the ones that are uh, springing off the top of my head, like when you talk about um, leaving work and going to Tereo class and having to get your head around uh, the words and the pronunciation. So um, th this is this is only used as an example, so no one take it the wrong way. But if you um, look at a lot of Asian languages, they can't say ah. So I get called lion anyway by a lot of my Asian friends. And that is because when they speak tongue, uh, it trains to um, make certain sounds and shape the tongue into certain ways and um, that it's hard for them to change after 30, 40 years, whatever their age, um, to change that, to pronounce the R. And when you made that point, I was like, yeah. Because one of the things I commonly do is I will um, see the word and pronounce the English. And usually I am really good at seeing the word and pronouncing the sound that I know that that represents. And that's how I learn the language before I actually understand it and speak it without thinking, like when I've learned Italian and French in the past. Um, so, yeah, it's quite quite interesting that you say um, that it you know, can be a bit uh, to, to get your head into the right space. And it harks back to the discussion that's popped up regularly is, you know, how do we get people speaking it regularly um, so that and, and, and discussions are available regularly so that you don't lose it. Like I've lost my ability to speak Italian. I can still understand when I hear it, but to actually respond, I struggle with because it's 18 years since I've spoken Italian regularly every day. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's all, it all makes really good sense. And, um, you know, how often are you in Tereo class? Is it once a week? Um, yeah, so twice a week on Monday, so three hours, yeah, twice a week, two, two nights a week. And, you know, again, um, I, even I used to be a bit cynical because I used to <clears throat> read those things where people used to say, you know, unless you can speak to it then you're not really Māori. And I used to struggle with it. I used to feel pretty triggered by that. Um, I think I've progressed on that from that in the sense of <clears throat> um, – I don't think I have a, a actual position on it. I, I, you know, I don't I, whether it's right or wrong. I, I, I guess I've just found other things to worry about. Um, but the point is, I think everyone can. It's like it's like anything. If you want to, I don't know. I'd imagine I'm going to use in a half marathon as an example. Not that I've run a half marathon, but if I wanted to, I'd imagine that I would train for it and I would commit time for it. And I think that's the point with Terrell. Uh, you know, often still I have uh, actually more more um, friends and whanau that say, oh, you know, I love that you're doing te reo, I need to do more as well. And I'm like, yeah, but and, and it's never for me, I don't feel compelled to say, well, you can if you wanted to. But I guess the two points for me is, um, you know, we can all take comfort in that we're all on this at different levels. Um, and to your point around, 
you're right. I was um, facilitating a DNI session with for some of my peers this morning, and um, just sometimes I think we, in all of our efforts to do more and be better, sometimes we can still lack that depth. Um, so one of the words actually <clears throat> that the this particular team used is hikoi. Um, but I've noticed that because I've been using it for a couple of years now and got quite used to it. I've noticed I had noticed lots of hikoi's popping up. Hikoi, you know, hikoi, hikoi, hikoi. Yep. Yeah, I know. So I just said, you know, before we start, um, let's just have a little practice around hikoi. You know, hikoi, getting that right. Because again, I just called out. Look, the most sort of modern example is you know the foreshore and seabed hikoi, and so one we've got this opportunity during Tuikia Te Reo Māori to get it right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but also just, you know, I think again, it just manifests itself. And so we just, if you're new to the organization and everyone else is saying hikoi, then you're just going to start saying hikoi and then it goes without yeah. anyone going. So, you know, everyone was like, oh, okay, cool. So, but I think you've got to do it in a, I'm very much a fan of you to have people on the journey with you. Um, as we're humans at the end of the day and even <clears throat> in, my, in the DNI space, you know, often, we're having uncomfortable conversations, overdue conversations, right conversations, but very uncomfortable for lots of reasons. And so I, I tend to be a fan of, you got to take people with you. And I think Tereo is one of those ones as well around, you know, as New Zealand evolves and we get better and we get more comfortable, um, is that I, you know, do we all wish we might be more progressed? Absolutely. But if we don't um, have that space to always aspire and always be better and we get comfortable um, with, I don't know, half pie, then I think that's when we all start to have issues. But yeah, I, t I tend to, um, there's a whole lot of different approaches, but I'm definitely of the school of thought that I that I like to take people along with me. And ultimately, though, individuals will decide for themselves whether or not when timing is right for them. I just know for me, I feel like this point in time, um, the timing's really good for me in terms of my own individual Tereo journey because I absolutely love some of the concepts and I have these moments where I think oh my gosh that makes so much sense to me you know I think oh god that's that and I do wonder if some of these things sit so deep within us um you know I, I uh, you know, the, look, no silver bullet. Yeah, that's right. No silver bullet for all of the social issues and all of the issues that we could possibly solve across the world in all of humanity. But I do think there is something in um, when our people don't have the opportunity to really scratch the surface on some of these things that sit deep. And I think Te Reo is one of those channels. And I and I count myself as a you know, it's, it's, it's been quite in a quite a privileged position, albeit that it still makes commitment and effort. And look, I'm not going to lie, though, sometimes when I'm on those calls, at like eight o'clock on a Monday, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to go to bed. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get off here or, you know, and then I and then I come off and I love it. But then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and then Thursday, I don't know, class starts at six. So usually by Thursday on a Five five o'clock on a Thursday, my brain's like, "Do we really want to do today? Are we tired? Should we go do something else?" Uh, but again, to that point around whether it's a half marathon or any other personal journey that you want to go on, it just takes commitment, time, effort, and the rewards will pay off. I love it. Yeah. Well, talking of commitment, um, and uh, yeah, thinking of the amount of Fano and Papa aspects of the discussions I've been having, I'm going to bring out a perla from my mum. So mum used to be the softball coach and the president of the softball club and I couldn't not go to practice. <laughs> so I remember trying to get out of practice one time and she said, nope, you committed to your team. You're going to turn up to every practice unless you're in hospital. And uh, if you don't want to play softball next year, then you don't have to play softball next year. But you've committed to the team this year and you're not going to let them down. So whenever I have those moments, and I have plenty of them myself, um, if it's important to me, um, then I run that conversation through my head and turn the softball into whatever it is that it is. Um, and if it's if it's not that important, then I go, okay, well, then I need to think about where that sits in my life. But for something like this, that is that important, then yes, that little voice of uh, mum saying, you've committed, so you're going to do it. There's no you know, no mucking about, no no halfway, as you say. So, um, yeah, it's 
it's quite a it's uh, a it's i mean it's a cool time to be on this too though right you know i i put up a post yesterday that we had like over 200 people jump on a call for um across vodafone um Fonterra and in new zealand um and my um met is henari johnson and, and kirsten tewao and we literally just we've got a cool group a tapiti group and it's sort of um you know dan's in there and yeah it's some amazing people at these um corporates doing cool things and i think it's very much based on whanaungatanga you know it can be um you know i think there's probably a lot of people think these are big flash jobs and big flash organizations but actually it can be quite lonely sometimes um and that's that's not a you know that's not a really a pity plea but it's just the reality so we reached out and got each other anyway that session yesterday just came about like let's do something cool let's share let's use te reo to show that yeah potentially we're corporate competitors but we can unite and share resource because what's good for te reo is good for all of us um so we had like 200 plus people and it was a bit of a shame actually because we cut it short um because we never we kind of didn't really know that it was going to be successful or that there was going to be such a desire to jump on but again i think that's really cool you know to come out come away from that i was like oh that's so cool you know and, um to have such a good turnout and some of our um i i noticed anyway some kind of exec leaders from Fonterra on there which is really cool to see them having not only i don't think it's courage these days i actually just think it's a cool thing it's kind of a sort of out group if you're not at least turning your mind to and kind of going oh gee i think i might just kind of see what's in this tutorial you know buzz um i think you know we definitely evolved it feels like we're evolving i've seen some wicked initiatives but actually it's becoming very normalized which I, which is what i really like about this moment in time that we are normalizing tutorial you know like these conversations um are quite normal now positive discussions about it and normalizing that's and um they have been for a few years but they're picking up more and more steam as uh, each year uh, it grows more and more positive you know, but go back to when i was a child and um i can remember being pakeha um the tone of some of the discussions and there's even a couple of maori friends amongst our group of friends who spoke um a lot of maori uh, situations themselves and you use the word normalize and that's that's one of the things that um that i see and um this is this is leading into quite a serious thing that i'm thinking of do you mind if i drop no, a bit of, of course yeah of course so um you'll get it when you hear it but it's okay right so uh, i coach rugby at um schools i'm not coaching at the moment um but uh the last team i coached was predominantly maori and polynesian um 14 15 16 year olds and we were on the on the van trip to the game up in um from west auckland up to um Oriwa. Oriwa? Whangaparaua. and um 20 minute trip and they're listening to their music and everything's uh in this yo know, in that and i turn around and said um because like i do things like i sing my old school song and do my old school haka while i'm driving the van and they take the piss out of me they recorded it and put it on youtube especially singing the school song but i i turned around and said to them and said hey um so guys you you don't mind if you don't have an issue if i call you the n-word either hey eh? and they're like you can't do that that's racist and i said okay so that means that it's a bad word right and they're like yep and i said so then why do you call each other that see because all you're doing is reliving what that bad word means when, when i use it but you say it like you know what if you were to change that up and use a word like chiefs so you know let's talk about mindset let's talk about uh, your subconscious and like these 14 15 year old kids are like subconscious what are you talking about ryan and i said so your subconscious it programs your behavior you know you don't know why you're doing certain things or you don't quite understand it that's because it's not all coming through your conscious mind that's driven by your subconscious so you're programming your subconscious with every word and discussion you have so you call each other the n-word um you are programming and having the thoughts both of you guys laughing amongst yourselves but also what that word means in the context of the world um so there was silence never never heard silence from them ever before in my life and it was silent all the way up so i was like what have i done i've just put them off their game like you know thinking of the rugby thing of that we get out of the van 
And um, as always, it was part of our team culture there. I would open the door and they'd high five me as they got out. So I was going, what are they going to do? Are they going to kick me in the nuts or something? Like if I really, I had no idea, I was a bit worried. So as I got, as I opened the door, they each got out, gave me a hug, gave me a high five and said, thank you. And um, yeah, I think we'll change change that word. So they went out and they warmed up and all I could hear is chief and mate and all these things. And they ended up beating the team that was beating everyone else in the grade that year. And we had lost to them previously. And um, at the end of the thing, I said to the guys, I said, so what was it? And they said, um, yeah, if I can say what they said, um, the, the captain said, you put the shits up us with that discussion in the van in the way. And we've been thinking about it. And um, we talked about it while we're warming up. And you would have heard. And I said, yeah, I heard what you were calling each other when we were playing. Um, not that you use the N-word while, you, while you're playing, but only in private of the van and all the rest of it. But I said, yeah. I, you know, And do you see the difference? You see the empowerment? And um, they're like, yep. But then about three weeks later, it crept back in. And because they were amongst their peers at school and outside of the little rugby bubble. But um, you know, that subject of normalising and what's normalized. Um, you know, like, I think I, I think growing up, I would have heard the reference Bloody Mary every day. You know, if a reference to something on the TV about Treaty of Waitangi or something else. And here's, here's a positive end, right? So my auntie's husband is Māori, and we went, um, and this is, this is flipping it back the other way. We went to Christmas at his parents' place, and uh, there's something about in the news and we all kind of went, oh, what do we do or say? Because we were watching the news together. And um, it was uh, his father um, who said, we bloody told them not to do that, that this would happen. If they did that, then they're going to end up on the news and we're going to look terrible. And us, the Pākehā side of the family, sort of went, what are you talking about? And they then started telling us, you know, being elders of uh, Naitahu, um, from Christchurch and told us what was going on, what the backstory was, what the context was, and the fact that a group of the younger people, the Rangatahi, wanted to um, act out against it and they've been advised not to. So, of course, what happened when they did, the news picked it up and only run with that one little small part of the bad news. And that normal light, that, you know, the point I'm getting to is that, you know, through the likes of the media, only the negative has been normalized about um, parts of, um, you know, Māori in society, Māori culture, etc. So I think I have rambled or waffled far too long, but you being a DNI expert and um, you'll be able to pick up and, and run with <laughs> what I'm trying to achieve here, I think, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, of course, I don't know about expert. We're definitely all learning. And I think that's, um, you know, Aotearoa is pretty new to this, um, perhaps, I, I, maybe it's actually, actually more correctly, it's a corporate space is, is new to this DNI conversation. But, you know, um, in, across everywhere else across the world, particularly in the, in, in the States, in America, um, in, in England, um, these DNI conversations has been have been going on for thirty years, and it's interesting because with all of the research and all of the conversations, there are still some massive inequities in in, in corporate organisations. Um, you know, these examples, uh, anecdotal examples out of the states, you got more chance of being the CEO over there if your name's John or Greg or, you know, Mark. Um, if uh, it's supposed to being a woman and, and certainly a person of black colour, they still, you know, of colour, sorry, they still don't um, register. In New Zealand, we're actually, you know, we're, we're actually not all that great either. Um, and we've got a very long way to go. And that's why it's necessary to have some long and overdue conversations. I think coming back to your point around the young boys, I think part of it is a bit of that too. You know, I think of myself and I think, oh God, the things that I used to talk about and the things, you know, when, and look, um, you know, age and experience is a good thing. I think part of what is happening too, though, is um, certainly for Māori people, I think we are starting to normalise our own conversations and take back those conversations as well, because the, the big difference is we're not, we don't have power, we don't have authority, we don't, you know, we are not normalised. Um, I see a whole thread today around uh, a new, I think it's she's Pacific Island woman who's joined the breakfast team on um, Channel One, which I think is awesome. The team looks great. Um, and again, you can just see those threads through there around, but if she a bit the best person for the job, which I know for a fact those same questions would not be have had of Judy, but Judy Bailey or Wendy Petrie, you know, and that, and that is just our primal conditioning and our primal instincts to hold on to 
our and the way in which our bias you know works right so we're all human if we are we are all biased uh, we all are loaded with bias it's how we um, program information so the next step from that is in the journey that we're on at Fonterra is around okay so how do we you know grow our awareness for some of these things like you know how do we exercise bias and all the rest of it um, so that we can actually have a meritocracy or point people based on merit and not exercised and manifest on you know um, a long time long held conditioning um, but also then when's the the maturity part around holding a mirror up to ourselves and I think part of that is the, the real journey that we're on at the moment it's around that let's do it authentically and there's a whole you know one of the things that makes me really excited is um, look the part of the I guess morning shot but a part of the narrative for me is the changing face of New Zealand and you know it's not too far in the future that we're going to have a minority majority made up of Māori, Pacific Island, Indian you know it's going to be the cultural tapestry is going to be so deep but this also represents our consumers, our workforce, um, all of the people who are going to influence. So, I mean, we kind of get comfortable with it now, albeit really uncomfortable, um, and we get better and we have conversations whereby we can all make this work for all of the voices in the room and all of the spaces up high as well. You know, I'm constantly saying, um, you know, having chats to young um, women of colour, so Māori Pacific women in the New Zealand context, the, the spaces at the top are intended for us as well. Um, they absolutely are. They're intended for everybody, but don't forget they're intended for us. So don't lose sight. But we need to, you know, my challenges to corporate organisations is that you, you can only believe what you see, right? So at the moment, you know, it's all still, still looking the same. To me, it represents a missed opportunity. So look, in terms of normalising the conversations, it's just sometimes... You know, people say, well, what do I do though, Haley? You know, I'm a good person. And, and look, we're all, I like to, I'm an optimist by nature. I'd like to believe we're all good people. Sometimes it's actually just giving up your airspace and giving that time to somebody else simply by saying, look, I, you know, I think I know what a lived experience is, but I'm going to invite someone else, not only to the table, but I'm going to invite that person to speak as well. I'm going to invite them to share and we're all going to listen with our ears. So look, you know, there's lots of parts, but um. Coming back to Tereo, uh, yeah, I absolutely love, it feels good this year and I think we can always do better. But it, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the, the lesson is don't go on Facebook if you um, don't want to go down a rabbit hole like me because I find myself, I'm like, I'm, I'm like two, two comments deep. I'm like, Hayley, get out of here, get out of here. But my point is, you know, um, we've we've got a the, the greatest, um, I think the greatest, uh, a tool, I guess, is is to hold on to hope that we all want a better uh, country and a better Aotearoa for all of us, for all of ourselves as individuals and for our kids. Um, and I think that tool of hope uh, and optimism, fundamentally uh, based on love for humanity, is one of the most powerful things that we've got to continue to believe in. Starts with us individually, but um, as we get better in, a, in our own communities, in our own houses, in our own whānau, um, and then hopefully our organisations, uh, I, I truly believe that you know that it, that we can do it. But it, but again, it takes some transformation, it takes some uncomfortableness, but it's absolutely all worth it for a better Aotearoa for our, for us all. That is one of the beautifulest message, beautifulest. Most beautiful messages I've heard um, amongst all the discussions of that hold on to hope and that um, uh, connection to humanity, right? Because, yeah, um, that, that is it. You know, like, um, I'm just sort of searching my thoughts while I'm speaking, I guess, uh, in the sense that uh, it made me think again about why am I doing this? You know, what, um, what stake in this uh, do I have? And... I was really conscious of that, um, doing this, waiting for someone to, to, as it happened with other things I've done, to call me some label, which interestingly is white knight, I believe. Um, if you're white knight, you're coming in to save the day. Um, and I don't know if there's anything um, you know, related to race in that, but uh, when I did a program for my event called um, No Woman, No Man, for technology, which is 80% male, you know, men couldn't come without a woman enabling them to attend, whereas women could attend by themselves. And I got taken to task um, and called a white knight, among other things. But the um, you're talking about Facebook. This is on LinkedIn, right? And it started it started with um, a guy saying, 
my wife doesn't need you to come in on your white as a white knight to try and save her from a problem that doesn't exist because she's strong enough to da 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 da. So I responded with simply, and why is your wife not saying this? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's something extra. Uh, I know. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, like here you are though, right? So you had a choice at that point, I'd, I'd imagine, and you went down and you probably had moments of reflection. But again, um, for all of those, and, you know, we don't do this stuff to be popular, you know, I, and again, maybe this is an age thing, but I've had the same, you know, you get, um, when I went through an iwi settlement um, stage with my own tribe, you know, I grew up, these are the people I grew up with sitting across the road, uh, sorry, sitting across the room, and we're having some really tough conversations. But such is the nature of humanity, right? We are all, all come with these um, intersectionality of layers and all the rest of it. And that's the beautifulness of it. But I think, um, I mean, you've got to be congratulated because you're not saying that you're going to save Te Reo, but what you're saying is we're going to create a space to have conversations. And a, look, if this is one more conversation that gets us, progresses us to a place, I don't know, one year early, then then our job is done, right? Yeah, thank you. And um, what, I, what I'd like to say is it's, yeah, no congratulations for me because what I'm doing would be nothing without the 32 of you. Yeah, if it wasn't for the 32 of you, I'd be sitting here talking to myself. So <laughs> I congratulate each and every one of you. And um, I must say, um, it's been amazing to meet some of the people. Um, like for us today, this is the first time we've spoken. It's not even in person, it's uh, on video. Um, but the same with a couple other people. Um, I, I hadn't met them before. Uh, like uh, Rosie this morning, um, and she had a, a line to, there's been a couple of people who have had some, all said it a different way, but uh, same concept, and hers was, um, you know, no one should feel any whakama uh, in their journey, because everyone's journey is different and unique, and we should be in, should be able to enjoy our journey at whatever pace it is we, we move at, um, in regards to learning te reo, and um, yeah, then Ashley Nathan, who spoke just uh, before us, um, was talking about, um, you know, the uses the reference of um, you're not mouldy enough and what is not mouldy enough and uh, where, where do we fit in the, um, as a young mouldy man, where do we, what's our place? So just to you know, sort of bring those, all those points together, it's, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful that positive things are changing or things are changing for the positive and everybody uh, getting involved attracts more people getting involved so i think ultimately yeah i think next year um will be even bigger and better and the year after that will be bigger and better and is it is it 2030 or 2040 that the, the aim of hit one million to the i think it's 2040. 2040 i reckon it can be done a lot sooner yeah yeah you'd hope so eh You'd hope so, although, yeah, yeah you'd hope so. And and again, um, I, I, even I was surprised after that session we had yesterday. In a good way, I was like, oh, it's, that, that was good. But I was like, man, people are so keen, you know. And maybe it's just that safety of, of like, little steps at a time. Um, so, but, yeah. So coming back to um, the, your session yesterday, and you said that there you were pleased to see some of the senior people from Fonterra, or at least senior people, might have been from Vodafone and New Zealand as well, that you recognise popping their head in and being part of it. So you being Director of Diversity, you're one of those senior people. <laughs> uh, what, I, I guess there's some level of confidentiality and discretion, but are you able to give um, some sort of idea of the positive stuff that's happening at that level and the positive things that people are sharing, um, maybe even one-on-one -on -one with you or at the you know, um, senior management table? And what, what's the discussions like? Um, around what we should be doing as an organisation. Is that, is that Oh, yeah, no, happy to share. Um, um, so we've got, I mean, it all starts at the top. So um, our CEO, Miles, has been um, on a journey with his leadership team, um, you know, and full support, full endorsement of um, Rautaki Māori, of our Māori strategy, led by Tiaki Hunia and his team. So massive, you know, again, it starts at the top, um, you can't do a lot without that senior exec sponsorship. Um, and then in the DNI space, we've had a real uptake this year. And again, you know, part of it for me, I think, is society is going to dictate and demand change. So um, yeah. you don't get many organisations these days who have not turned their minds to when New Zealand ones, 
New Zealand organisations who haven't embraced uh, the um, money opportunity, but also DNI. Um, you know, we have, for example, some of our biggest customers out of the states are now demanding um, representation data on. Um, you know, uh, how many Marines we have, for example, that's obviously an American context, but this is, you know, how many, what's the represent, uh, what is the numbers of our female staff, our black staff, um, again, you know, your American context, but you can feel that it's going to come on pretty quickly. So we need to get our heads around it because these are our biggest customers. You know, there's some examples during Black Lives Matter. So Ben and Jerry's, for example, the ice cream label who, um, they paid their workers more um, and were very um, vocal in terms of their support for the movement. Other organisations and brands weren't, and so they were called out for being complicit by their silence. Um, I mean, we, I think some of it is we're protected because we're so far away um, down the bottom of the world, but, uh, but that will only last so long, I think. So whereas in the past, I think we used to do DNI as a bit of a nice to have, nice to do, um, that is not good enough or not, uh, anymore, and I don't think it'll stick. Look, technology, social media, the power of that, we will get caught out pretty quickly. But that shouldn't be the compelling reason for us to do it. It should be because it's the right thing to do. And um, sometimes I think uh, even people make sweeping statements around um, our farmers, you know, and our farmers, are absolutely, they are the centre of um, what we do. I mean, they, it starts on their land, on their whenua. Um, and sometimes I think, yeah, sure, not perfect with any collective group but if anything in my experience they're probably the, as, a, as a group more really connected to the land and um, and so again I think it would be easy you know like uh, there's still some stigma around um, you know majority of our farmers are males and we continue to have really high rates of suicide and I think you know again that is a, we would need to be an organisation that role models the very um, behaviours that we're talking about around, you know, to, are we creating safe spaces for women and men to have conversations around their mental health? I still don't think that we're there yet. And so DNI is a massive part of that. Um, it's around updating our workplaces for both men and women. So whereas, you know, the lockdown has kind of forced us to change how we think about workplaces, um, now, but I guess my broad point is I think society is changing at a pace that uh, any organisations that think they can sit um, uh, in silence and be uh, will get caught out pretty quickly. And so um, are people expecting organisations to change overnight? No, because you need to do it in an in a authentic manner and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. But um, this stuff is pretty compelling. And, uh, yeah, I think the organisations... Um, that don't make this a priority. Uh, I think society is changing at a pace that uh, society will dump demand, you know, will call out and demand that we do. And that's a good thing, you know. If Again, back to that point, if we want all want a better world for ourselves and our whanau and our children and our children's children, then, um, you know, we can only get better and you've got to hold on to hope, hope for a better place, uh, you know, right across the world, whether it's te whether it's culture, whether it's how we evolve in Aotearoa um, and right across the world, you've got to, you've got to hope in the power of um, humanity to do the right thing and optimism. I love it. Hold on, uh, believe in the power of hope. Um, how do you say it? For humanity, um, God, I've forgotten now, Ryan. You have to go back. <laughs> I was trying to keep up with the points and going, yeah, I want to ask about that, I want to ask about that, I want to ask about that, I want to ask about that. But the one thing that has stuck is the point that um, you're talking about uh, society is driving the change and um, you know, companies don't have the, the choice if they don't keep up, but that shouldn't be the compelling reason. They should do it because they want to, because it's right, not because they have to. Um, and that's the thing, you talk about genuinity, authenticity. And um, you know, I think I think what I was thinking at the time, that's right. I was thinking if 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 they're compelled to before they believe in it, then that at least gives them the opportunity to see what a difference it makes. And yeah. the, that's the silver lining in it. Um, it would be nice in a perfect world if people just did it because well, if we've been doing it all our life, actually, would be a perfect world. But um, you know, reason for change, and I find um, 
you know, when I have a discussion with a bunch of mates, like I always refer to this discussion. And I should actually ask him if I can tell the story because he probably wouldn't know. <laughs> but um, it relates back to our uh, gender equality. And um, and we're standing in a circle at the CIO summit and there was five other guys, my mate, the other guy who's a buffy rugby bloke. Um, and uh, I say that in a loving way, not in a detrimental way. Um, and we were talking about no woman, no man. And he said, oh, what do you need? What do you need that rubbish? Women can go. There's nothing stopping them. If they want to buy a ticket, they can buy a ticket and go. And I turned around and told him a story about my mum, who's a CIO. And when I was a little kid, she came home and told the story about her uh, male boss. And this is back in the early days of IT when it was real, nothing like it is today, right? Um, so it was sort of like explore and work things out as you go. They didn't even have a Microsoft Word. This is pre. This is actually pre-Microsoft uh, Office Suite and all that type of software, right? And anyway, um, she came home and told the story about her boss sitting there with his fly open and his package poking out and underwear, but still poking out and sitting there with his hands away back going, you're just a fucking woman, you know? What would you fucking know? And um, and I said, so I said to him, so, so imagine if imagine if your wife, um, who I also know and happens to work in technology as well, came home and told you a story about um, her boss saying that to her, and instantly he came, well, if he did that, I'd bloody go down. I said, that's exactly what my dad said when I was about nine years old, and I said, now you understand why we have no woman, no man, and he's like, okay, all right, I'll I'll get her to buy a ticket for us. We'll come, and. In that moment, he went from, um, yeah, not, not getting it, not believing in it, to absolutely supporting it. And I think, I don't know, what that's that's something between being compelled to and wanting to, but it's the, the, um, the catalyst or something. So we need to find the catalyst for everybody to make yep. the change. Yep. Yeah, and that's part of it too. And I think I described before, I can see sort of different um, moments when people have that life bulb moment. But um, people will get there. And then, you know, someone else, time will evolve, someone else will come in, take over my role, do a better job, you know, talk in a different way. And that's absolutely okay as well. But I mean, in an ideal world, uh, we wouldn't need roles like mine or even we wouldn't need even you know our Māori strategy where we specifically focus on, on that um, because it would be so part of our DNA but I don't think we're there yet but hopefully one day and hopefully one day soon so that we can all move on and do other stuff yeah so and, and another interesting concept um so when International Women's Day first came about I kind of um was like what because my mum pretty strong woman she went and um she was converting a paper system to an IT system back in those days, and now the government has um, shared it with the rest of the world, and they all use it for health data reporting into the WHO. So world-class system um, by mum who got told by a man she didn't know what she's fucking doing. Um, and also my grandmother, who um, was one of the first women to wear trousers and ride a motorbike and got told off for it. So I was growing up in the, that, that sort of world. So when International Women's Day came around, I was like, Hang on, what? So I run a promotion. This is the first promotion I did way before the No Woman, No Man. That came a few years later. It, it sort of grew. The first one I did was just giving away tickets to the event. And um, and, and what I'd written probably sounds quite insensitive now, but it was meant with the um, with the intent, the positive intent, and it's what, sort of what you're saying, uh, that um, as long as you identify as a separate group, you will always segregate yourself as a minority. Um, but, and this is where the, the but comes, but until that day that we don't need to do this, we will all do this uh, to work towards that day that we don't need to do this, as in identify, as you say, uh, having a, a Māori policy at um, work in the workplace or gov government level, every level, because it's actually got to uh, get to the point where we don't need it. Yeah, yeah. and you know, there will be people that will hold on to their spaces though because they, they have long served themselves but that's not the same reasons as to why you want other voices in the room you want other voices in the room because you see that as your advantage you see that other voices in the room because that's the right thing to do but actually you see other voices in the room because they're quite simply different to yours 
because you're you're already in the room. We you, we've got you, but the issue is when you manifest and you attract and you retain the same as you, then you are going to get the same result. And so oh, people often say to me, you know, what's the what's the business case, Haley, for DNI? And I will typically say, well, if you are asking for me to convince you on a business case, then we probably, you know, like, I, I'm not. I'm, I think I'm great, but I'm not that good. You need something else. I.e. a psychologist no. <laughs> or a counsellor. Um, but, you know, my point is that um, if it's 2020 and if you still need to be convinced on the business case of why you need to be turning your mind to DNI or IND or inclusion or actually just people with different voices in the room, um, then, yeah, it's probably a little bit actually the question that you need your answer to. It's probably not a question. It's probably a little bit deeper than that. And I think probably a lot more dangerous than the things that you are, um, you're probably disguising some quite deep rooted things that will ultimately be a barrier to progress, barrier to progress of humanity, barrier to progress of yourself as an individual, because um, you're never going to get the depth and the tapestry that comes from difference and difference in the room. So, you know, some things I just can't, but um, you would hope that uh, as an organisation like ours grows and starts to get better at these conversations and the reasons why um, you know, we are uh, prioritising inclusion and diversity, um, then then the better for all. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a good one. Um, you're talking about um, sort of springed off the diversity does not mean inclusion. So I was taught this by a um, person who is uh, outwardly publicly uh, transgender and in my industry and I've only ever known her as a woman um, it wasn't until I read her tweet that I understood that she used to be a man if that's not an incorrect way of putting it um, so I've only even known her as a woman and talked about the fact that um, you know was it diversity does not mean inclusion so I, I, I called her and said oh what does that mean exactly and she said well we've always had diversity but let me put it to you this way. Um, you go into the lunchroom and all the Asian people sit together and eat their lunch. All the Polynesian people sit together and eat their lunch. All the Pakistani people sit together and eat their lunch. That's diversity because you've got a bunch of different uh, people, but you haven't got inclusion. Now, I won't touch on the fact that um, diversity is not just about uh, different ethnicities because um, it's actually about neurodiversity, which um, you know, it does come from um, different experiences, which does come from different cultures and ethnicities. But uh, the, and it was a real eye-opener because and that's that's actually part of what um, No Woman, No Man came from because it was what I started calling an act of inclusion. So you could call uh, Te Wiki Aotearoa or Māori an act of inclusion. And it's not until people do an act, uh, conduct an act of inclusion and get more people involved that it starts to uh, become uh, normalised as we don't need to do these specialised things for it. So yes, acts of inclusion. So we're a little bit over time. I hope you didn't have a board meeting to report into. Um, <laughs> but um, it does does lead to the point where I'll say, so what would you like to conclude uh, our session on today? What would you like the parting thought for people to consider? Um, oh, um, just be kind to yourself, um, and so kind to yourself just generally, because I think um, I think there's lots of opportunities for us in our the way our lives are at the moment to be unkind. You know, the opportunities to compare ourselves. I'm actually looking at a picture of Beyonce on my um, on my screensaver because I want to be like Beyonce every single day. Um, but no, um, my message is just be kind. So in the Tereo context, just be kind to yourself. Look, just start anywhere. There are so many cool resources around at the moment. Just click on one, you know, click on one in the safety of your own home, pick up a book, um, because the theme this year for Tewikia Te Māori is a Mahuru, um, you know, September um, moment. And um, yesterday at 12 o'clock, the moment was to signify the moment that 30,000 signatures 
um, were delivered uh, to Parliament, and that was the moment in time that was significant for yesterday. But the moment in time for every single one of us will be when we just be a little bit kind to yourself, uh, but give yourself a kind push, pick up some words, uh, Google some resources. There's some really cool groups on um, Facebook at the moment. Hemi Kelly's got one, Fraser Day. Um, he's got a book as well. Stacey and um, Scotty Morrison, really cool resources. Anika Moore, look, they're everywhere. So just be really kind to yourself and just start somewhere. Um, the DNI space is the same as well. So lots of us will roll our eyes and think that it's just about hugging, you know, strangers and holding hands with strangers. It's a lot more deeper than that, but it's going to take every single one of us um, to start somewhere and hold that mirror up to ourselves in terms of what are my patterns, in terms of what are my in-groups, where do I go to get my sources of information, what does my Facebook feed look like, what does my social circles look like. Um, this is not about holding a stick up to each, and, uh, each of us and trying to look for who's to blame on this. I'm more interested in where we're we going to next and who's going to be, who's going to co-create the solutions of what we want for a better world with each other and it has to start with us as individuals. So on Te Reo, it starts there as well, but also in this DNI space, starts with each and every one of us. And I'm always happy to have a chat. I don't profess to have answers because I actually think the answers lie in all of us. Um, but sometimes we just need a bit of a push to kind of go, let's talk about some stuff that for a long time, particularly in the corporate space, uh, we've been so consumed with being the same as each other. Um, but I think that represents a missed opportunity. And now if we can start to have more voices in the room, more voices at the table, more voices on the Zoom call, um, I think that's absolutely a good good thing. And, and long may it continue. Wow. Thank you very much. So yeah, let, me, let me say... <laughs> which is from the Northern Language Dictionary, which I haven't mastered how to pronounce it. <laughs> That is, thank you very much, and te reo Māori. And, uh, yeah, that, that is, what you've shared is um, yeah, very, a really cool perspective in terms of it's not about the stick, but about how we can co-create and collaborate together for a better tomorrow. And uh, I think your friend, uh, Nita Cooper, has captured your statement, which was believe in the power of hope and humanity. Oh, I so, love that. <laughs> So I think um, that's a, a great place to, to uh, give it a wrap. And thank you so much for your time, your effort, and, and um, getting to know you on this call, to be honest. Um, it's been uh, a blessing. So, yeah, thank you very much. I look You're forward welcome. to it. Uh, hey, the pleasure's all mine. Kia ora. Kaki everybody. Bye. Kaki Cheers. <laughs>